And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far out of have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to The Roundtable. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Let's start with Mark. Mark, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling like the glue of this podcast, like usual. So I'm doing fine, Grant. All right, I appreciate that. Andy, you look like you are in an 11th grade grade classroom. You've got the fluorescent lights behind you. Where are you today? I am currently at Scottsdale Stadium. I am in a room reserved for the Giants GM, which I guess would be Pete Patilla, not Farhan Zaidi. So... I know Farhan, so if he barged in here, that would be awkward, but we could make it work. He would be funny. I don't know Pete Patilla at all. He'd be like, who are you? And I'd say, who are you? I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm the new GM. Yeah, like, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, here here in Arizona for a few more days. And uh, sorry I missed last week. Uh, one of our loyal listeners, a Dodgers employee, came up to me yesterday and said, hey, great episode last week. And I said, I wasn't on it. He goes, I know. I know. <laughs> Such a good bit. Such a good bit. As you know, I'm a professional journalist, uh, so I need to do some reporting. Uh, Andy, anything in the drawers of Pete Patilla's desk? There is no desk here. It's just a. It's just like a. There's some water bottles. There's a whiteboard, and it says Zone A, Zone B, and Zone C, and then it's got numbers underneath. Oh, I, don't I can know, run with that. I don't know what that means. Andy, is there any needle to thread? <laughs> I don't think the, the Giants aren't one of those teams. They were trying to win. They're not a needle threader? No, they were trying to win. They tried to sign Carlos Correa. They, tr- they tried to sign. Um, <laughs> when did this happen? We have a new, we have new uh, visual cues. That's good. Yeah, so we have a, this is also going on YouTube after it's How much and has so- changed in the week that I was off this show? Well, we have Chirons now. We have Chirons. Producer Brian is having fun with the Chirons, and I, I do appreciate that because they, uh, they make me giggle. Um, I do want to do a disclaimer because today's topic is uh, we're doing the AL Central, right? We are previewing the AL Central, and I know that one of our long-standing bits is that, oh, we don't know anything about baseball, and we don't know. The poor people who listen to this all week, and they dread the roundtable because they get, like, informed uh, podcasting from you know, like Ken <laughs> Rosenthal, literally Ken Rosenthal. That's kind of a bit. We are experts in a very specific team. Uh, myself, I cover the Giants. Andy covers the 2014-2015 Royals. Mark covers whichever team is on his parlay. Yep. Like, we are experts in these teams. And so we know how easy it is to miss something from the other 29 teams. But we know what we're talking about. Like We, we know the AL Central. We're literally paid to follow baseball. So I just wanted to get that disclaimer out there. What prompted that? Did you get a call from upstairs? No, no. I just, I just, I feel like sometimes people don't quite get the tongue-in-cheekiness of it. Um, so I just wanted before uh, we got into this uh, to, to throw that out there. You guys will appreciate this. I was, uh, the, yesterday I was at uh, Dodgers camp and uh, there was a young man from Arizona State who was there kind of doing some, some work and um, uh, Ken Rosenthal was also there. 
and our uh, our former colleague Lindsay Adler, former Yankees writer for us, uh, now at the Wall Street Journal, was there. And uh, I guess this young man had been talking to Ken about some advice about breaking into the journalism business. And afterwards, he was talking to Lindsay, and Lindsay said, "Hey, Andy, can you you know come here and talk to this young man with me?" And I said, uh, "And I said," he said, "Yeah, I talked to you know Ken Rosenthal, and he suggested I actually talk to you guys because you're younger." And I said, "Well, you know, Lindsay's a rising star in this business. Uh, my career's over." And he said, "Yeah, Ken said that." <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, I got one more, one more, one more. So the fun thing that's happened out here, I texted with a GM a week or so ago and I said, Hey, I'm working on this thing. Can I come talk to you for a minute? He said, yeah, sure. Come to my box. And so I came to his, uh, I'd walk into his box and he goes, Hey, great to see you again. He goes, Hey, who do you work for? And I thought to myself, my reputation, it's a one of two things, right? My reputation is so sterling that just name value alone, right? People want to talk to me. Right. They don't need to have the athletic and New York Times, you know, behind it. That's they assume you're somewhere legitimate. Right. That's one. Or I haven't written a good story in five years. So I don't know. <laughs> that's what I'm grappling with out here. Anyway, American League Central, let's do it. I gotta tell you, it's better for me because I used to be like, I'm at SB Nation. Mm-hmm. I'm at Vox. Oh, Fox. I've heard of Fox. Uh, so at least I got something. No, I just but I did want to just point out, like, hey, we know we know the AL Central, right? We don't we've, we don't you don't have to send emails. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's start. Minnesota Twins, team history brackets, edit, main article, colon, history of the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Let me click through that. Oh, God. Uh, just you got to stay out of the comments. <laughs> All right. Pope, Pope, I'm just no, that was the Wikipedia page. I'm just kidding. All right. So last week, Andy, we started uh, by like reverse order. There's no good way to do it. There's no way to go like, here's the Dodgers. And then at the end of the podcast, we're like, and then the Rockies, then the Rockies they signed, yeah. right? So we are going in reverse order. The trick of this is with the AL Central. There's no real like is it's kind of Tigers or is it Royals or is it a surprise team? I don't think it's a surprise team, but Tigers or Royals, who should we start with? I mean, I think they're both. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to answer by saying they're kind of similar. Let's just start with the Tigers. I mean, I, f- I feel like both clubs, though, are in very similar spots in terms of they're kind of trying to figure out who of the players that they've drafted and tried to develop, like which of them are real and which of them are, are not. Um, you know, maybe the Tigers are further along in that process. But I think uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's just start with the Tigers. We're already t- I've said the Tigers at least four times now. Tigers. All right. Let's go with the Tigers. Uh, Tigers, they were one of those teams, and you know it. You see these teams every year. I think the Orioles are this team this year, where you look at them and you go, oh, they're close. Oh, what they've been planning for. They've got some planks down. They are building something, and it's almost here. And I think that's why the Tigers went out and signed Javier Baez. Uh, then it fell apart in quite a big way last year. And to the point where is Spencer Torkelson going to be an MVP bleeds into, is he going to be a starter like in, in the future? I know he's young and stuff like that, but you've got Javier Baez. Is he going to be an MVP candidate? No. Now the question is, is he going to be like a viable uh, first level starter at his position for another couple of years? You have all these questions that they thought had been answered. You know, Riley Green is a monster and I think he's going to be good, but they still have just so many questions. It, it kind of hurts to watch. Yeah. All right. So the Royals. <laughs> Look, like I'm looking through the projections on their position players, right? And Green and Torkelson, like the projection players are the projections are perfectly fine, but it's not, you know, Adley Rutschman, right? It's not Julio Rodriguez. Now, like that's the projections. Those guys obviously had similar ceilings, but this is the problem with all rebuilds is just it's not guaranteed. You know, you're just dreaming on guys. And a lot of times when players get there and they're put under, you know, especially ones who are sort of held up as like, you know, we can talk about this when we get to the Royals in terms of their rotation. You know, when you're held up as like, this is the future, the future has arrived. It can be really challenging for those players to flourish if they are not coming into a situation where there's a lot of other good players already in the lineup. That's the reason why, you know, the Dodgers have had <clears throat> such success in integrating new players is because they're batting seventh or batting eighth. And there's not, you know, intense. There was never intense pressure to see if Will Smith could be an everyday player because they had three other catchers. So they could, you know, it was just a, he was just able to learn the position. You know, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson don't have that. I think also with the Tigers, you know, part of the issue is that 
you know, they staked a lot on the pitchers. You know, Casey Mize is coming back from Tommy John surgery. You know, Tariq Skubal is injured. Matt Manning has been, you know, a bit up and down. It's just, you know, they haven't really hit on any of the guys that they've drafted and developed. There's still plenty of time to do that, but they haven't really been able to do that. The Baez deal, I've never totally understood. So, yeah, they're kind of in a weird in-between spot, I think. I don't know where they got better offensively enough to make them different from the team that finished last in the league and runs scored per game last year. But I, mean, I think it's such a great point Andy makes there about being caught in between. And I think there's another level to that. Obviously, they've had leadership change there too. So it's going to be a while. Andy talks about the pitching, my scuba. Yeah, those are two guys that you know have had major surgery. And they're not, you know, early 20s, right? Like, Myers is 26. Scooball is like 26, right? So, like, it, it's the timing was bad for these injuries, obviously, in their development. But, yeah, I, I think they're caught in between. They, um, you know, are a club that I still just, how are they going to score any runs? And then when you look at, like, their major league pitching staff right now, Eduardo Rodriguez obviously had personal issues last year, did not pitch enough. But, like, right now, he's projected to throw the most innings on the club. That's just a tough spot to be in right there, right? You're already behind the eight ball. You, you were going to rely on a guy that, you know, is a one year older, barely pitched last year. There's just a lot of uncertainty with so many parts of the roster that it's difficult to see them being anything but bottom end of the AL Central. It's just sort of where they are. And, you know, curious to see how if they can make some kind of material gain, right? Like just to see if there's some part of this roster where, okay, somebody stays healthy and they show you something. It's that kind of thing. But even if that were to happen, I'm just not sure there's much more ceiling than fourth place tops. Yeah. There's a spectrum of bad teams, right? There's bad teams where you've got older players you're familiar with, you have good memories with them, but now they're over the hill or they're hurt, and that's one kind of bad team. Then you have a bad team where, yeah, they're not so hot, but they've got all these prospects you're interested in watching. One of the worst uh, genres of bad team to me is the team that just cannot hit. And not only are the Tigers like scoring three and a half runs per game, which is appalling, but they are uh, last with a bullet. In home runs. Like, they are just, they hit 110 home runs last year. That is not a lot of home runs. That is like 1982 stuff. Like, that is just, they're playing a different brand of baseball. And then you go over to stolen bases, and they're just above the bottom of the of all baseball. 28 out of 30 in stolen bases. So they're not making it happen there. They're close to the bottom on average. So it's not like they're putting the ball in play. They're up there in strikeouts, last in walks. It's got to be just... I don't know. You want something when you're watching a bad team. You want some nugget to just say, okay, this is bad because X, Y, and Z, fix X, Y, and Z. But it seems like they've got the alphabet and they're going into double A, double B, double C. I don't know. It's just a really, really stinky offense. And they didn't do anything this offseason. Dude, swing and miss and no power. Wild. Wild. It's just a very bad combination. So it's the, the Baez signing obviously got a lot of attention. You're just like, why? Right? Like, do they really think they're this close? And then, even if they did, is that the is that the player you invest in to that level? I, you know, that's a tough fit, man. That's a tough, tough fit. So it, it's unfortunately, if you're a Tigers fan, like it, it's hard to see them really being anything but the bottom of the division. It's really difficult to see it. I actually liked the idea of the bias move because it reminded me, I've mentioned this before, Maglio Ordonez and uh, Pudge Rodriguez, when the Tigers signed them, they were an awful team, but you're looking a little bit forward and you're kind of projecting. So I kind of liked the idea, but I question whether Baez was that kind of uh, cornerstone. Anyway, that's enough Tigers for 2023. (laughs) So we're going to move on to the Royals now. Andy, do you have any Royals news you might want to break on this podcast? I think I'm going to break it. I guess this this episode will, producer Brian, can you put up a Chiron that lets us know when this episode will come out? Because uh, I have a um, have a very small bit of Royals news that uh, that will break that will break uh, uh, this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Lorenzo Cain is officially retired. And the Royals are going to have a ceremony to, so he can retire as an honorary Royal this summer. You have, uh, your whole career has built up to this moment. 
Producer Brian says, podcast out tomorrow on YouTube later today. You'll be able to read this on The Athletic before it comes out. Yeah, Lorenzo Cain doesn't use Instagram, so he, like, called me to see if I could just tell people he's retired. So this is my life. Look, I actually think I spent a a decent amount of time at Royals Camp uh, the other day working on a kind of a story related to Bobby Witt. But just talking to their people, I think they're in a very interesting place. I think they are philosophically moving in a direction that – diametrically opposed is probably pretty strong, but it's pretty different to how they conducted business under Dayton Moore for, you know, 15, 16 years. And, you know, they're having JJ Piccolo, who was Dayton Moore's kind of right-hand man for most of that time, execute the vision. And I think it's an interesting shift for the organization. But the simplest way to put it is is they're going to get more transactional. You know, they're going to try and behave more like the Rays, more like the A's did before the A's, you know, kind of went major league, right? Like, but the, when the A's were good, right? They were willing to move players, and I think they're just they're they're kind of changing some of their uh, their processes, and so you kind of saw that you saw that this uh, this winter, for example, it's a little it was a move that didn't get a ton of attention, but they traded Adalberto Mondesi. Right now, Adalberto Mondesi was once a top 100 prospect. He might have been. I don't. I'd have to go look it up. But he was once considered like a big time, big time prospect. And the Royals, you know, loved him as a player. He, you know, was on the uh, he was on the World Series roster in 2015, even though he was like 19 years old or something. And they really envisioned him being a star. And it just didn't work out for a variety of reasons: injuries, you know, all that stuff. The reason it doesn't work out for prospects. And they could have kept him around and probably under a previous regime would not have wanted to give up on him. But they decided to move him for a relief arm and clear space for Bobby Witt Jr. at shortstop. And just little things like that that are different than the way they had done business, you know, getting to be, you know, a little bit more, for lack of a better word, like the Rays. Um, And the Rays, one of the things that really – differentiates or that that players say about the Rays experience is that the team is very invested in them. They provide the resources. They care about them. They want them to succeed, but they are also willing to cut bait on them like at a drop of a hat, essentially. And that's a really difficult paradigm. And it's something, it's kind of a, a, a balancing beam that the Rays have been walking for quite some time. And the Royals want to get to that where they can do that, where they can take all of the care that they invested under, you know, Dayton Moore. He was very, like, people in baseball love Dayton Moore. They loved playing for him. They loved working with him. They loved the amount that he cared about them. They want to continue that, but be more transactional. I guess um, we'll see if it works, but I think that this is a very interesting time period for them as they're kind of transitioning into a, you know some different processes. I guess. Well, Matt Quartaro being a piece of that. Yeah, right? you're sure. talking about the Rays. You know, there are human beings that have to relay the messages that you're talking about, and the manager of the Royals was somebody that was in that chain for years and years and years, where he's got to relay that investment in the player that you're talking about. But also, he's in management for a, a franchise in Tampa Bay that, yeah, one of their strengths is like when they're done, they're done. It's ruthless and difficult, but it's how you have to operate. And at the end of the day, it's professional sports. And so as you kind of frame where the Royals are, um, that managerial hire, Matt Cortaro, seems to make so much sense, right? Like that is somebody who has had lots of experience working in an organization that operates this way and doing it in a significant role too, right? Like, I mean, as, as a, a bench coach, as a high-ranking coach, he's, he's there every day. He's doing all those things that you're talking about, building relationships and all that. So makes a lot of sense. I think there is a perfect player example for what Andy's talking about as far as you have to know when to cut bait and you have to be able to, to open for experimentation. If you uh, are sitting at a computer or you have access to uh, a website, look up Ryan O'Hearn on baseball reference. Uh, I don't want to pick on any one particular player because, uh, you know, that, that, that's gauche, but just look at Ryan O'Hearn. He's a first baseman slash right fielder. Last year was the highest adjusted OPS of his career. It was uh, 73, right? And his OPS, or I should say his highest in the last four years, it was 73, which means his OPS was 611. He had a 290 on base percentage. He hit one home run. Again, first baseman, right fielder, not especially gifted defensively. That was his fifth year on the Royals. 
you don't know what they're chasing. And I think what it is is he had some okay minor league years back in 2017. I would assume he's a great guy, like a clubhouse guy, someone you want to be around. But what are you chasing with someone like that? That to me, like the Royals were almost run like a family in a way. And maybe it's going to be a little bit more cutthroat. Is that a good thing? I guess probably on field and probably for the fans. So, you know, there you go. It's so interesting. I uh, This book will probably never exist, but I tried really hard to write a book about the 14-15 Royals and, and uh, there, hit it. Yep. <laughs> Brian's right on it. But like, you know, the idea of like running a business like a family, uh, especially a professional sports organization, it's a real challenge. And it's something that they have really had to confront in the last few years as they've worked their way through this, you know, sort of second rebuild that's post-2018 rebuild. I mean, I think... You know, if you look around the diamond, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of potential talent. You know, people believe in Bobby Witt Jr. You know, there's uh, you know reason to think that Vinny Pasquantino can really hit. You know, they're going to see what they've got in Kyle Iswell. They they moved Michael A. Taylor to you know create a lane for uh, for Kyle Iswell. You know, that MJ Melendez is a big hitter in the minors. You know, they've done a lot of work with their uh, kind of he's like technically the, he's the hitting coach, but I don't know what his title is. But Alex Zumwalt has worked with a lot of these guys since they were um, in the minors and they really reshaped their hitting program. So, you know, there's some hope there. The pitching is going to be, you know, they staked a lot of their rebuild on this class of pitchers coming out of the 2018 draft. And thus far, Brady Singer is the only one they've really hit on. But they've kind of assembled enough depth that they're not as reliant on the non-singers, you know, thus far. I mean, if you look at the roster resource, they got Zach Greinke, Jordan Lyles, Ryan Yarborough, Brad Keller, all wrapped around Brady Singer. Now, like, you look at that, right? Like, okay, it's not exactly, you know, the 2019 Astros, uh, although it does include Zach Greinke. But, like, it's at least, you know, four competent big league pitchers. If the younger guys play well enough, they can – they will get chances, but they're not like life and death every start. So it's a, you know, small victories. They're trying to get to a point where they are like contending again. You know, maybe not winning 95 games, but they need to like start winning in the 80s again. And they know that. And I don't know if they will get there this year. Probably not. But they at least seem to have a, a different sort of idea of what they're trying to do uh, moving forward. At least it seems like they can touch the plateau that you're talking about, which is saying something, right? When you name some of the the names in there and the talent, even with the younger guys, they're probably not going to get to 80, but like it wouldn't be absurd if they did, you know? Like I, I don't, that's not the feeling that I get looking at the talent that they have. So Grant, this is, this will appeal to you, trying to run a, a family or a professional sports team like a family. Do you remember what they used to say about Eddie DeBartolo? Oh, man, everything's great here. They take care of the players, whatever. And the second that Ronnie Lott got old, he was gone. Right? <laughs> like the 49ers were like brutal like that. Anyway. Um, Dude literally gave a finger for, for the 49ers. <laughs> right. like, and the literally. second he lost a half a step, see ya, right? All of him. Every last one of him they did that too. But anyway, like the, the Royals, again, we're talking about similarities with the Tigers to start this. This period of transition is super interesting for them. And I think it's more interesting for the Royals because I think they've got more material to work with than the Detroit Tigers do. And that makes it fascinating. That's why when you look at him, it's like, by the way, the, the starting rotation, those, those are three first-round draft picks in there. <laughs> you know, kind of a couple years apart, but like, all, you know, Brady Singer, Jordan Lyles, Zach Greinke all selected in the first round. But anyway, I mean, Zach Greinke was selected in the first round in 2002. Whew. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's a long time. So anyway, like, I, I think there's a lot of talent that they've accumulated through the years that is going to make them fascinating, uh, certainly an interesting club to watch. Cause I do think like there's a, there is a step forward that you can see them taking for sure. I do want to just explore this rotation a bit because I feel like if you created a Manhattan project type, uh, all hands on deck effort to create the Royalsiest rotation, this, I don't know why this feels like you, Zach Greinke, it's not uh, Cy Young Zach Greinke, it's an older, wiser version, it's Jordan Lyles, it's it's Brad Keller, it's, it's pitchers who don't strike anyone out, pitchers who are going to be reliant on guile, pitchers who probably aren't going to be a tire fire, pitchers who are going to keep you in a lot of games. 
I feel like there's a spectrum of, so if you come to my house, my house will never be the kind of house that you can eat off the floor, right? Never. Like, I'm just never going to build that kind of rotation as far as my cleaning habits. Um, you have the potential to come over to my house and wonder if you should call CPS as you're driving home right? That is my floor. My floor is to have a house that is just awfully messy. And then there's like that, that sweet spot of like, no, 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 it's cool. I'm functional. I am a functional grown man. And I feel like this rotation is the functional grown adult of rotations. It's just like, no, man, it's, it's not great. It's not going to get us to the world series, but this is uh, every day you're going to have someone who probably isn't going to wet the bed. Yeah. Theoretically. I mean, it's also, you know, like, yeah, I, look, it, I, I think they, in not spending a ton of money and not making long-term investments, they were able to assemble a group of guys who will lessen the scrutiny on the younger crop where the real work needs to be done. Like, like I don't think if the Royals are going to make it work, they are less reliant on those guys from 2018. But if they're going to be a team that wins 85 games in the next like two or three years, it's going to be because Bubich, Lynch, Coar, Heasley, you know, Bowlins, two of those guys are decent. And thus far, none of them really have been outside of Singer, who's been pretty good. But even Singer, Singer's like a number three, which is great. Like getting a number three starter is awesome. But that one number three can't be the only prize from a, a draft class that was as important as that one. Now their thought is like, okay, we're not going to bank it all in one draft class. We got to keep drafting. We got to keep developing. We got to keep doing this year after year after year. So anyway, Brian says we should move on to the next team. How dare you, Brian? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Let's go to the twins, which might surprise people because we picked them to win the World Series. If you remember our World Series draft, because 
we forgot about them until the very end. But I, you know, it's between the White Sox and the Twins. I Let's just jump into the Twins uh, based on standings last year. They finished 78-84. Uh, uh, they did re-sign uh, Carlos Correa as of this podcast. So let's go Twins. Anyone got hot Twins takes? Didn't they lead the league in IL days or something last year? Like they, they Possibly. Were hurt, I will look that up. They? I will look that up. Like, so I think so much of it is that. Are, they, are these guys going to stay on the field? Maybe I'm having a fevered dream here, but I feel like I read that somewhere, and it it kind of shocked me. I knew they'd been dinged up, but you know that is a stunning thing. There's my hot take on, on the Minnesota Twins, who we totally did not forget this time because we know baseball. I don't know what to make of the Twins. I can squint and see this team winning 86, 87, 88. I think with the realigned schedule... It's going to be challenging for like teams in either of the centrals to compete for the wild card. I think that the, you know, the central, both centrals had really benefited from having some weaker competition. I think having to play the Blue Jays and the Rays and the Yankees and you know all that uh, more often is going to be uh, a bit of a problem. For them to get Correa back is like a huge point for the future of the organization. I don't think it necessarily makes them. Better though than the team that kind of fell apart last year. He was on the team, so it's not you know like it's a it's a great to have him. Like you want Carlos Correa, but I don't look at that group last year and say, man, they were a Carlos Correa away from winning the division. They had Carlos Correa, and they got a pretty good Carlos Correa season. I think it's more you know look like they've uh, you know they've, they've acquired Michael A. Taylor with the idea that. You know, ever getting 600 plate appearances out of Byron Buxton is a pipe dream. So let's not even try, which is like good. Like, you know, hope for 120 games out of Buxton and you'll be very happy with that. He's an incredible player when he's on the field. Um, I don't understand Joey Gallo. I, I, I just don't. I, I, I like fundamentally don't get what they're trying to do there. Um, you know, the Pablo Lopez deal, I, I think they got the better end of it for sure. But who Lopez is, if you you know talk to people around the game, talk to evaluators, isn't the way that maybe he's going to be marketed. Like he's a number three, number four type starter, which is good. That's great. You know, give me. Yeah, I like players like that. But I don't. Again, don't know if he really changes the fortunes of the group all that much. I, I, I look at this as a somewhat above average team that isn't going to have the benefit of you know playing as many games in division as they had in previous years. To Mark's point, uh, we have the data, thanks to Baseball Prospectus and their wonderful injured list ledger. Uh, The Twins were second in all baseball in days missed. They were first in the American League, but then Baseball Prospectus also lists like value missed in the warp, like their version of war. Uh, Twins were the second uh, biggest hurt team in all of baseball. When you're finishing just a little bit under 500, that does add up. You know, it's not as if the Twins were 62 and 100 and it's like, yeah, so what? What if they're all healthy? You add nine wins to this team and, you know, that can make a pretty big difference. So I don't see that back half of the lineup really doing them any favors. Like you're saying with Gallo, you know, if he's hitting sixth or seventh, okay, whatever. But I could see one one injury and all of a sudden he's up there hitting fifth or he's plugging away. uh, really there with ducks on the pond, and that just hasn't worked for a few years. The rotation, I, I'm into the rotation. I mean, Joe Ryan is a guy, like I'm really high on Joe Ryan. Uh, Sonny Gray, still still doing good things. Breaking, Carlos Correa, still with the Twins as of now. <laughs> Kent Amade, I think it's super underrated wild card as far as uh, he's a good pitcher. And if he's healthy, I know he's uh, on the older side. He's, what, 35 or so. But if he's healthy, that guy's a dude. I really like watching him pitch. So I'm not down on the Twins. I'm just not seeing... They're a pretty comfortable third for me in the division. And I know people are going to quibble about that because of the White Sox. But I, I think I think the Twins are pretty solid third. I'd also like to point out, Grant, that you did not use the name of the one pitcher who, when the Athletic approached us about doing this podcast, you told me, I will never know how to pronounce Tyler Molle's name. That um, is uh, why I didn't bring him up. <laughs> Tyler M. Tyler M. <laughs> Tyler M. Tyler M. Yeah, I mean, the rotation's fine. It's a collection of, you know, threes, fours, and fives with, you know, probably more fours and fives. Uh, Maeda had been quite good, but he's also coming off Tommy John. 
uh, with a lot of mileage on the arm. And like, yeah, do I buy the if they're healthy, they'll be better? Of course. But um, just thinking out loud, does it get easier or tougher to stay healthy as you get older? <laughs> Man, I, I ran a softball practice two days ago and I can still like barely put on my pants. They got a great season out of Correa, and now, you know, as you pointed out, Grant, you know, he might have termites in his ankle. So, like, yeah, there's just – it's it's shaky ground. But you can see them being good enough to win the division because they have so many – I mean, like, Jorge Polanco has been a very good player. You know, Max Kepler has had, you know, good seasons. Correa, I still think, is a top 10 player. Buxton, if they could get 140 games out of Byron Buxton, like, he might win the MVP. He's so talented. He's so good. But it's just the health. He's ne- He has played over a, over 92 games once in his entire career. So, yeah, I mean, I just – they're not a team that's caught in between, but it was almost like when you look at their winter, it, it was almost like they bought their own regression maybe more than I would have bought it. Like the positive regression coming into it. I, like I don't feel like they did a ton to get better. Vasquez is a good player. He makes them better. You know, I guess trading Arias for Lopez is probably better for them because Arias isn't much of a defender, but I don't know. Pablo Lopez. How many times do you suppose in his career that he's thrown over 150 innings? How many times? Uh, I'll, I'll just say One. zero. One. Yeah. Last year. So, I mean, I think he's a perfect microcosm for what we're talking about. If he posts, I actually do think by simply just pitching, he does change their trajectory enough to, to make them interesting. But whether he actually does that or not, it's difficult because he's just kind of fits in with some of the other guys they already have on their club, right? Where it's like, well, he's on the field. He's really, really good. Like Byron Buxton is going to be that, right? Even if he stays healthy, relatively healthy for the rest of his career, it's a tag that he's already earned where it's like, God, if he would just stay on the field, he'd be unbelievable. So yeah, they've got a bunch of that. And, you know, I think obviously the, the twins with their actions have signaled to us that that's what they think. But I guess Andy Fraser's bought into their own regression. I mean, they fired their head, head trainer uh at the end of the year so like clearly they made a move thinking that hey this is um it was enough of an issue and they could pin it on someone or they're looking for a scapegoat or whatever i I guess there's some of that too but like obviously that's what they think they think that like if we keep these guys on the field it's a whole different thing i don't disagree with that it's just you know what is the best predictor of injury a future injury it's past injury that's so much of it on this roster quick point on buxton before we move on uh past two seasons he's played 153 games uh, according to baseball reference he's worth eight and a half wins i mean he's <laughs> if he's healthy he's like possibly the best player in the sport i mean not a tawny division right like you know it's so anyway all right let's move on to the Chicago White Sox. This is a fascinating team to me because it's not just uh, fan graphs in their zips, but baseball prospectus in their Prakota. They come out with their projected standings and they list the, the standings of the other teams. And then for the White Sox, all it says is this team is crap. And you're like, wait, it shouldn't do that. It's a computer. Yeah, that's this not should fair. be, yeah, this, this <clears throat> should be objective. And it just says, nope, crap. And I don't get it because I I look at a team that has hitters throughout the lineup that I'm, oh, okay, I see why he's there. You can't say that about every team in baseball, but I can see why these guys are there. Uh, for the rotation, rotation can be a, a little bit top-heavy, um, but I, <laughs> the Chiron reads, are the White Sox crap? I am here to say that they are not. I agree with the idea that they should have they should have a more uh, uh, seize the day kind of mentality. I, I do think that they should be taking the wild swings in free agency um, that other teams uh, are taking. You know, they don't have to be the Mets, they don't have to be the Padres, but I, I don't know. Could they be the uh, who who could they be? Who could they be? Could they be the uh, Mariners? Could they be the I don't know? Could they do like something that resembles anything? I don't think that they're crap i just i wish that they had more to support my feeling which is that i think they have a good chance to win the division look at their lineup i mean there's a lot of good players in this lineup right like tim anderson luis robert andrew benatendi eloy jimenez yon moncada andrew vaughn yasmani grandal i mean that's the top seven you know gavin sheets and elvis andrus you know okay fine that's not as great but like a lot of those guys have been all-stars you know a lot of those guys have been on MVP, or some of those guys have been on MVP ballots. Obviously, they're going to miss having Jose Abreu around. 
but you can see like there's a lot of talent. Same with the rotation. I mean, Dylan Cease is like a strikeout machine. You know, Lance Lynn has been good recently. You know, Lucas Giolito has been good recently. You can see it. I just, you know, last year they played such a dispirited brand of baseball, it seemed like. And, you know, some of that got dumped at Tony LaRusse's feet. And, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, having Pedro Grafal in there will probably be an improvement uh, in a variety of ways. But, I, you know, some of it, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of talent on the club. And it's just a matter of whether or not they're actually going to play up to it. You mentioned a couple players who are, like, Yasmani Grandal was terrible last year. Moncada was terrible last year. I'll take the over on both. I mean, Grandal's trickier because he's an older catcher, but there's no way Moncada's this bad. Like, he was one of the worst players in baseball last year. He's 27. He's good. He's never going to be the 450 on base percentage guy, but I will take the over on last year's performance, and then I'll take the over on that over. We could say that about Lucas Giolito. 81 ERA plus last year. That that's not going to happen again this year. Not. I mean, I just can't see that happening. When, you know, you look at his previous three seasons, that just wasn't the guy. Then you get their starting pitching is interesting to me, right? So we've talked about Giolito. Like I, just a bad year, right? Like a really bad year. I, I don't. I can't imagine him repeating that. Dylan Cease, as Andy mentioned, you know, so much swing and miss. Michael Kopech, guy, like, you know, high ceiling guy, I liked him a lot, uh, been hurt, you know, and, and now you know, is this guy going to throw more innings for them? Can he stay healthy, all that stuff? Because if he can, that's a player, right? That, that's a guy. So, you know, Clevenger, obviously they signed, you know, so it, there, there's an interesting mix of guys here. And, and sort of to your point, Grant, like, I, I think, there's some bounce back dudes in there too that could like change their fortunes big time. Yeah, of all the teams we're going to be talking about uh, in our, well, actually, this is probably our last preview since they they portioned them out to the roundtable hosts. This is the second place team that would perhaps surprise me the least. I guess Braves Mets. Okay, if there's a Braves Mets, you know, there I'm not going to be surprised if one wins and the other doesn't. After that. It's going to be, if the White Sox win the Central, I'm not going to be like, oh, crikey, this changes how I look at the sport. It's just sort of like, yeah. You won't be hard to explain it. and be like, well, they have a lot of good players who actually played well this time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe philosophically we disagree on this, Mark, but like, I feel like with pitchers, when a pitcher has a bad year, I'm very quick to be like, oh, that guy might be done. Whereas when a hitter has a bad year, I'm sort of like, eh, you know, let's see what happens next year. Maybe I'm just wrong about that. But I feel like with pitchers, because, you know, because the physical risks are more significant, like I'm very quick to like write off, you know, I'm not saying I'm writing off Lucas Giolito, but like I look at his last year and I'm like, ooh, that could be a real harbinger. Whereas with Moncada, like, like didn't he have long COVID? Like wasn't he sort of banged up, you know, like, I I don't know. Moncada was a four-win player two years ago. You know, he was a five-win player. He was a five-win player in 2019, you know. Like, he he's a potential star. So I, I wouldn't – but I don't know. I could just be wrong about that. I, that could just be like a philosophically incorrect position I hold, which, you know, first time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, there's something to that. I mean, when, when you go to someone like Giolito, it's that instinctual, well, how's his velocity? How's his strikeout rates? He's still missing bats. He's still missing bats. It's, you know, you can, there's levels of that, but I, I think there's something to that where, I mean, we've all watched like one second, it's uh, Tim Lincecum and then it's not. And then it's and Tim Lincecum. Yeah, and so you that is kind of like the extreme of it, but that happens. And I, I think I'm bullish on Giolito, I, but I think the general point that you're making does hold some water. I'm not uh, like extremely bearish on him, right? I'm not like, oh, this guy's cooked. I just more, that set off more alarm bells to me than a position player having a bad year. Well, you know who else ha- holds that philosophy are these danged projection systems, <laughs> right. the Abacus Twiddlers. Uh, when you see someone like uh, Giolito have this season, the projections have the same reactions. Like, oh, okay, we've seen this before. You know, we got uh, this this hive brain of like we know all the major league seasons, and we've seen this one before. There's something to that. You know, we we have this confirmation bias with us, and there you go. Should we move on to the to the Guardians? Cleveland rocks. Cleveland Guardians. Uh, They seem to, last year at this time, they were not the favorites to win the AL Central. Have they done enough to come into this 
preseason as the de facto favorites, full stop, going to be like 18 pundits out of 18 predict the Guardians to win the division? I would think so. I mean, they actually spent a little bit of money this winter, uh, which we can get into in a minute. But I think it's just the way that I think it's just the way that they played in the second half. I mean, they were just a good team. You know, they were a 90 win, 92 win team who played at a much better clip in the second half. They have obviously a very decorated pitching staff that in the incredible pitching pipeline. The offense is still not great, but they have players coming through the system who they are hopeful will get better. You know, Stephen Kwan, um, the Naylor brothers, uh, you know, Oscar Gonzalez kind of took a step forward and had a better approach last year. So it's a lot easier to see like why it would work. You know, and then they went out this winter and they added Josh Bell, who I guess some scouts think will really benefit from the shift rules. Um, you know, they added Mike Zanino, who, you know, kind of missed most of last year. But when he's when he was healthy with the Rays was a you know, great defensive presence and could he could swing that stick, as they say. So, you know, it's a it's a decent club. I mean, I think it would, you know, it would probably not win the American League East. But I think in the central, they're the clear favorite. If you had to pick one team in my opinion, that would see the most significant bump from the new rules, it might be the Cleveland Guardians. Because you got a bunch of dudes that are going to steal 20 bags. They're going to run. They can hit. They're athletic. They're one year better, right? We talked earlier about, like, the, the Twins, like, hey, they're one year older in regards to injury, right? And then that that's a reason to have a red flag. Well, Cleveland Guardians are one year older, one year wiser, one year more confident, Yet they're still young. There's still a ton of upside. And they can play the style of game that I think if these new rules have like a major effect, they could really, really take advantage of them. Now, I I happen to think with the stolen bases part of that, it's probably a little overstated what folks are thinking as far as like the actual impact. That said, you know, if if you get a bunch of dudes who stole, you know, are 20 base kind of guys that like you increase all of those and they can still hit, boy, what a pain in the ass they're going to be for some clubs. And I think... You know, I think certainly they're good enough to win the division, but also I think they're just fun. That style of play, you know, they're going to create some problems. They're going to end up playing up, I think, from whatever projections they have because they're going to be a nightmare for clubs to deal with potentially. So, you know, I'm high on them. I think they're they're a good team. They're super talented. I think this is a case where one year older makes them better, not worse. We give a lot of credit to teams like uh, the Rays and the Dodgers for their pipeline and their making players better, and that's what they do. Let me tell you this story about Tanner Bybee, which sounds like someone trying to say my name when they're drunk, but like Tanner (laughs) Tanner Bybee is a fifth rounder out of Cal State Fullerton, right? And so he's fifth rounder in 2021. And what's his profile? He throws in the low 90s. He's all control and command. Like, he's a guy, he he doesn't really project up. He's going to be this guy who, um, maybe he's a fifth starter in the future, as my dogs are idiots behind me. But now he's got, he's throwing in the mid-90s. He's throwing uh, like a wipeout slider. His strikeout numbers are through the roof. His walk numbers are still low because he still has that command. They're just going to keep doing this crap. And I don't know if if Bybee's going to be in the majors this year, but it's to prove the point. They've got that part locked down like few other teams. I'm going to murder my dogs. Can you hear that behind me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can. Idiots. Complete idiots. Anyway, I think they're going to keep doing this crap. If the Guardians, like, if you have one part of the game locked down like that, that you can build your own depth, then you can figure things out with midseason trades and all that stuff. All right, I'm out, and I'm muting my mic. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. With, with The Guardians were so far ahead of, like, the, the, the pitching machine, so to speak, right? Like, building an infrastructure to churn these guys out. And it continues to pay off, even as other clubs have seen that success and tried to match it, or or certainly devoted lots of resources to it. No, I mean this. I think this is a product of them just being first or being early, and and because that's all that extra time um, to reap the benefits of it. So good for them. Like it's the kind of thing you got to do when you're the Cleveland Guardians is to be smarter and and target where you're you're spending resources and you know as a result the guardians have that dog in them as the chiron says 
<laughs> That's a good one. That's pretty good, Brian. Guardians. Brian's on today, man. Guardians He's on today. Dog in them. Uh, yeah. If I had to pick the team most likely to win their division, I would say it's the Guardians. Maybe the Astros. I don't know. Yeah, I'll go Astros with that. But yeah, I. It, it's enough where I have to think about it. You can catch a little Mariners fever. I think the Astros are awesome. I, I don't know. I I just feel like I do feel like the you know the White Sox. Yeah, they have some talent, but like I, the Guardians for me, like watching them down the stretch. Uh, you know, the offense is what it is, but I do think, you know, as Mark said, they will probably play up a little bit. They've got you know, it's it's one thing when you're dealing with injuries from guys who are you know 29 and 30. They're going to get guys going from 25 to 26, and you know that much more experience in the big leagues. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Actually, Astros are the Astros are going to win their division. They're the best team besides the Braves. Maybe the best. You want some breaking news? Uh, last night, I dreamt that I was at uh, Game Seven of the World Series, and the Astros were winning. Who were they playing? Like, literally, no idea. Uh, it could have been like my middle school teachers, <laughs> like, but I, I know that the Astros were were winning. All right, we are done with the AL Central. The next show is Tuesday, March twenty eighth, of the AL East preview and World Series predictions. Ooh, spicy. Um, so, Brian, we're doing the AL East preview? Okay, so we're doing the AL East preview. I'm reading this right. Okay, so let me get this up. Uh, so, Grant, um, the East Coast is where uh-huh. uh, is where Mason and Dixon came from, actually, Dude, I, I'm before on, they went out I'm west. on it. I'm on it. Let's okay. see. Um, Toronto Blue Jays are a Canadian professional baseball team based in Toronto. <laughs> baseball as a member club of the American League. Oh, there's a typo in here. It says Rogers Center, but it's C-E-N-T-R-E, which is weird. Like they, they've they've they made a typo where the R is before the E. All right, I got a lot of research to do. I got a lot of research to do. Baseball, baby. (laughs) All right. This has been episode 41 of the Roundtable. We will be back on Tuesday, March 28th, and uh, we're going to talk some AL East, give some World Series predictions. Oh, doctor. All right, see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.